Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Pyramid Air. Pyramid Air is your go-to resource for all things air gun. Whether you want a CO2 air pistol for your son to go planking or a 50 caliber air rifle that you can take on your next big game hunt, it's their goal to help you enjoy your gun. Shop online or call them toll-free at 1-888-262-4867. They offer a 30-day money-back guarantee, live online chat with seasoned shooters, and a state-of-the-art tech department ready to help you fix, upgrade, or tune your air gun. PyramidAir.com. Big selection, fast shipping. The air gun experts. Find them at PyramidAir.com. I'm your host, Joe Baia, and I'm here today with my co-host, Clint Flowers. Clint, it's the middle of September, man. You know what that means. There's a lot of seed getting put in the ground. People are planting food plots. Everybody's looking for the right minute to go up there and get in front of a rain and get some stuff in the ground. How are you guys looking? Y'all y'all getting your place ready? Yeah, uh, best we can. We uh, just dodging all this rain and you know, trying to get out there and get stuff prepped without getting uh, buried to the axles. Yeah, you know, you've got bottom lands like I do, and the struggle for us this year is actually is too much moisture right now. So we're kind of waiting for things to dry out a little bit uh, to be able to get in there and do what we need to do without creating a bigger mess. But then, of course, it, as it will probably happen, it, as soon as it dries out, it's going to stay dried out till like November. Hopefully not, though. Hopefully we can get some regular rain like we need to to get things to germinate and come on up. But today, we're going to really get into creating the best food plot mix based on your goals. To do that, we've got Caleb Weaver. Caleb is the head of research and development for Southern Seed and Feed. But before we get there, let's go check in with the newest sponsor of the Huntland podcast, and that's Hunting Exchange. Well, Clint, I don't know about you, but every year about this time of year, I really start thinking about new gear that I need. And with regards to lots of different things I'm doing in the woods, you know, right now I'm thinking about food plots. I'm thinking about tree stands. I'm thinking about my bow setup. Um, I've started last year, started hunting out of a saddle. So, you know, there's some different things there that I'm kind of changing my components. And it's almost like during the season, you know, you, you recognize what you either don't like about a product or something you'd like a little bit more. And then there's some innovation things that make you want to maybe change out. And what that results in is that I've, I'm going to be buying some stuff this fall for this season. Now, that being said, that means i got to sell some stuff uh, because I'm only allowed to have so much hunting crap around the house. I don't know. About, I don't know about you. Do you have a, are you, are you in a, uh, on a limited budget or a limited amount of stuff you're allowed to have? I'm in a constant mode of defense. <laughs> you know, why do you need another jacket? Why do you need another set of those boots and all that kind of stuff? So you get into the debate on, well, that's for turkey. That's for deer. That's for duck. You know, that's insulated. That's uninsulated. And, and then, well, this is new and that's old. So it's a, it's a constant debate of can I have it? Should I have it? All that kind of good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that I know I've personally run into is whenever I'm ready to offload some of that gear, I've run into issues trying to sell it. I mean, specifically on some of the, you know, larger platforms you see out there thinking about like Facebook, for example, I've had listings that I've put out there actually shut down. Um, I've had different things that I want to get sold that, you know, try to put into different buy and sell groups that for one reason or another couldn't get sold. 
And so a lot of times I end up with a stockpile of things that they're just sitting there. They're not being used. I'd like to, I'd like to sell them, want to find a place to do that. And so that really brings us to, to today and the newest sponsor of the Huntland podcast. And that is the guys over at Hunting Exchange, which is really a new way to buy and sell your hunting gear online. So, you know, joining us today, we've got Scott Jones, Stuart Whitaker, and Tommy Hickson, all part of the team over there at the Hunting Exchange. Guys, welcome to Hunting Land. I want to know, first and foremost, what spurred you guys to do this? I mean, why start the Hunting Exchange when there's Facebook Marketplace and there's eBay and there's there's already marketplaces out there for used gear? Why, why the Hunting Exchange? Hey, Joe. Well, first off, thanks for having us. We're excited about being a sponsor. Love the podcast. You know, I think when it comes to why did we do this, you know, for us, it was just a combination of of kind of worlds crossing paths at the right time where uh, each of us have an interest in obviously hunting is kind of a, a passion of ours. And it just so happens that I personally have experience in the software industry, given my day job and saw an opportunity where, you know, we, we see things that we like when you're talking about the various platforms that you mentioned, whether it's eBay or Craigslist or, you know, forums online, classifies, et cetera. And our thought was just simply, Hey, can we pull together a platform, put together a platform that is just for our guy, that is just for hunters out there, people that share kind of that same love of, of hunting, um, that, that's kind of a best in class, that takes the best of what you see on uh, whether it's an eBay or a Craigslist or some of the others and, and pull that together. And so that was kind of the idea that we pursued initially Honestly, and this goes back, frankly, <laughs> it goes back quite a while. Uh, we initially started with just the website. And then uh, when Tommy and I uh, started collaborating about this idea, he has a deep experience in buying and selling all kinds of things. And uh, we saw an opportunity, hey, let's, if we wrapped an app into our website, then then, then let's go take this to the market and just kind of see how how people take to it. So it was it was really just as simple of as we see uh, some things we like in all of these different outlets. Can we build something just for our guy that is kind of the best of all of those things? So guys, you know, before we get into all the features of of the site and the exchange and and everything y'all are doing, which is a really cool stuff with eBay with Craigslist, with Facebook out there available as places you can sell things. Why build this site? Why did you do what you're doing? Interesting that you bring that up because it's one of my favorite parts of the story is Stuart and I, during our day jobs, were sitting across the boardroom table and uh, he was, you know, building an app for our company. And we were talking about some things that we were doing outside of uh, the business. And he had mentioned that he you know, was working on this app for, uh, for hunting. And, you know, I obviously love that kind of stuff. It's basically what I do, you know, every single night, you know, I, I, I get on these platforms and I buy and sell golf clubs and I buy and sell tennis rackets 
And he mentioned that he was considering doing hunting exchange. And I thought, yep, that's a great idea because literally there is nowhere out there that you can go the specific to hunting and list or buy and list these, these uh, items. And, you know, we all know the story that, you know, hey, my son who's into bow hunting and he's used this particular bow for, you know, two years now and he's really kind of looking to move on and and upgrade. And the question is, what do you do with that bow? Well, you know, there's nowhere to put it. So hunting exchange was kind of that aha moment for me that, hey, this is a really cool idea. And I think that, you know, other people on that boardroom that day, they were also hunters and they all kind of agree that, hey, this is something that's it's a good idea, that there is a need for it. And so we felt like, hey, you know, if there's a need for, you know, the fellow hunters to sell their used product, I mean, this could really be beneficial, you know, to, to hunters out there. No doubt about it. I mean, I think about you. It's funny you talk about, you know, what you do at night, because uh, I'm, I'm much the same way. I'm going to sit down at night with my smartphone, you know, and I'm going to look through different marketplaces a lot of times trying to maybe upgrade my gear that I've got, not just, you know, it's hunting, it's fishing. I mean, there's lots of different things. It could be something totally unrelated, but it's almost relaxing in a way. And I also sit back and I think about like, all right, I'm going up to the camp in a couple of weeks, going to plant food plots. I'm going to need this. I'm going to need that. I'm making my list of things that I'm going to take with me. And a lot of times in doing that, and maybe it's planting food plots, or maybe it's going on my next hunt. Uh, and doing that, I'm like, you know, I really didn't like that thing that I want to upgrade that it was a particular component of that, that could be a little better. You know, I'd like to have a little bit bigger tree stand or something along those lines. And, and it's relaxing in a way to be able to just kind of filter and sort through what I'm looking for. And the frustrations though, are that, uh, you know, like on a lot of the different other marketplaces out there, I'm having to filter through so much other stuff when I'm looking for just hunting stuff. And a lot of times because of the the platform itself and the vernacular that we use and things like that, it can be hard to find what I'm looking for. And, and I really like that aspect of this as well is that you guys are doing just hunting is just for hunters. I think that's really cool. You know, we're just like our customers. We're trying to build a great business. Uh, we welcome feedback about how to make it better. Um, we call our customers if we have a question about one of their listings. And so this isn't some, you know, unforeseen ivory tower, big business that, as you said, you know, could just take your stuff down because we don't understand hunting or Pittman Robertson and all of those things that we know and love to be really important. We were the exact antithesis of that as individuals. And so our company is centered around that really if that makes sense. It does. You, you've built this for yourselves as much as you, I mean, you're building it for other people, but you are those people, you are hunters, you are experiencing these frustrations. And so, you know, you've built it to be the way you would want it to be. Uh, and that is a huge difference from what you're getting when you go to those other buy and sell marketplaces. So, you know, that being said, let's talk about what's actually being sold on there. So, I mean, this is just hunters, just hunting equipment, right? For the buyer, let's focus on the buyer. What do they gain? I mean, obviously, besides it being hunting equipment and being able to browse those things, but what are they getting in terms of adopting this platform to buy and sell their hunting gear? The main thing would be is when people are looking for good quality hunting gear at good prices, we are trying to provide kind of a single source for that, right? Mm -hmm. That is 
is instead of having to go search through, you know, various online forums or go to eBay or go to other marketplace groups, can we provide this kind of single destination just for our guy or girl where the products are just dedicated to hunting, whether you're a bow hunter, you need a tree stand or blinds or optics, et cetera, that this is just for hunting gear. But as a buyer, you also want to have some assurances that, hey, if something happens with this sale, with this purchase that I'm making, uh, what kind of protections exist for me? And that was probably one of the very first things that we just kind of vetted out to make sure that we provided those protections. And the way that we do that today is all of our sellers have to be have a, a status, have a PayPal account that has a verified status. And what that means is if your PayPal account has a verified status, PayPal will offer protections for that transaction. So as a buyer, if a seller lists a, a listing, we make that purchase and there's something that goes wrong through that transaction, PayPal can step in and protect the buyer and the funds that you've transmitted to, to the seller. Another thing is eBay is awesome as a tool. And all of the tools we're talking about have literally millions of dollars invested in them. And we're not here trying to say that the product that we've brought to market is, is more advanced from a software perspective than like something like eBay. But we did try to cherry pick the things that we thought would be beneficial. One of the th ways in which we're trying to make it more attractive is by making it cheaper too. So that when you come to hunting exchange, uh, the fee that we will take, uh, there's no fee to list, but the fee that we would take when a listing sells is going to be typically half of what that fee would be on existing marketplaces and, and uh, that, that you might could go use today. Another advantage of the app and the website would be that and again, you can do these on these others, but what was important to us is that you can communicate with the seller. You can sit there and message in confidence back and forth. If you have questions about the bow or the age of the string, how many times a bow has been shot, et cetera, you can do those things and communicate with that seller uh, in confidence, knowing that you know before you're ready to pull the trigger, if you want to see more pictures, that you can just get some assurances there. So as we just look through the various avenues in which you can go buy or sell, we just identified things that we thought were of value. And I would say the last thing is if you go to like a Bass Pro or a Cabela's, you get a very robust, categorized, efficient, you know, kind of shopping experience. And it was important to us to offer that same type of experience inside the app or the site. And so we took a significant amount of time mapping out all of the categories and the, you don't realize how much you know time is involved to do that, but the categories and the attributes and the sizing and the various things that go along with a listing that we would take for granted when you just go to Bass Pro or Cabela's and look at those uh, those specific details. We wanted that kind of professional e-commerce experience to be available just for our guy when they're buying and selling something. So those are probably some of the major takeaways that jump out of me.
you know, for me, I mean, this is something that I see that maybe, maybe you guys don't even see yet or haven't quite thought of, but like, if you take Clint and I as an example, when we are marketing and advertising a piece of property that we have listed for sale, one of the reasons why we're able to sell our, our listings as, as quickly as we can and get the best prices that we can find for those listings is because we take a national approach to marketing and advertising those properties, as opposed to what you may be used to, uh, like say in the residential market where you're selling your home, it's going to get put on a local MLS and marketed locally. And we're actually marketing those properties nationally. And that means the pool of buyers is greater, uh, usually the time, more competition. So time on market goes down and price goes up in a lot of cases. You're able to find someone who recognizes the value of that property more so than just that local area. And that's one of the things I've also faced when you're trying to sell a a niche product, which all hunting products are niche products in the grand scheme of things. If you jump on a Facebook group or a uh, or make a marketplace listing or something like that, I'm really only marketing that product to my local pool of buyers, maybe people that are searching within 100 miles of their location, but also I've got to go meet them face to face, which is can be kind of weird sometimes whenever you're, whenever you're selling something privately. It's like, okay, I'm going to go meet this guy in the Walmart parking lot and sell him my old hunting clothes. <laughs> See you later. Just uh, <laughs> kind of odd. I, I much prefer being able to have things online and have that secure payment like you're talking about, knowing that not only is the financial part of it protected, but also just I'm not having to meet somebody that I really don't know. You know, how do y'all make changes though? Because you talk about having to go in and create these categories and help people be able to filter down and find what they're looking for is a big part of it. But, you know, you mentioned being hunters yourselves. Are you getting feedback from folks or are they, are, is this is this website and, and this exchange evolving as you go and who's leading that charge? Yeah, for sure. So uh, just recently, we've actually... We had an, an app user reach out to, hey, you know, love the app so far. Love what you guys are trying to do. You know, I think there's maybe a market that y'all haven't tapped into about guys wanting to buy, you know, secondhand or used uh, ATVs. And he, we corresponded back and forth a little bit about that question. And, you know, not to make it overly simplified, but we will literally go in and, <laughs> and identify the, the right kind of categories and attributes in this particular example, whether it's kind of, you know, manufacturer and size and type, whether it's a side-by-side, et cetera. And we'll just go in and, and add that as a category. And the feedback so far, you know, because even though we started this, frankly, we go, this, this idea has been percolating for us for years. And it, but it hasn't really been just until the last few months and some of this is Tommy and I are thankful for Scott hopping on board here with us is that we initially kind of going back to Joe, you said uh, you had some listings kind of pulled down on Facebook marketplace. You know, we were uh, prohibited from doing some advertising on the social outlets when we wanted to promote this. And so we bumped into the same thing. And that's kind of when Scott was saying, Hey, you know what, let's go out and let's, Let's find some of the these podcasts that 
that, you know, as we have our guys out there listening to, because that's who we need to communicate with anyway. Right. And um, and so since we've done that, we're, we're having people reach out and the feedback has been great. Uh, we actually I was just telling Tommy before uh, we hopped on the podcast is out a guy reach out to me yesterday. One of the things that our app does is you can receive notifications every time a new listing is added. And we joked about the fact that you say, hey, why are you doing this? And one of the reasons we're doing it is just because it's kind of fun. I mean, honestly, I like to spend time thinking about enjoying the things that I love. And this is one. Well, and so I get these notifications and it's kind of exciting to see when there's a new bow listed or whatever. Well, a guy texted yesterday and said, hey, you know, this is awesome, but how do I turn these notifications off? (laughs) (laughs) And so it's, I just, I laughed back when we talked, I'm like, Hey, you know, this is, this kind of a good problem for us to have because there's just been so much activity in the last few weeks that now all of a sudden we're talking about, Hey, do we need to add more controls to give our users more flexibility when it comes to, you know, setting their notifications, those kind of things. So it truly is when it boils down to when someone has a recommendation, if we think it makes sense to our guy, the people using the app, we're just going to do it. Yeah. Nimble and hunter driven. Y'all are listening to feedback. You're growing and you're growing because that's what they want you to grow. You know, I just think too, nowadays we're all very frustrated and in a lot of regards, you know, Scott, you hit on it earlier. We kind of feel like there's some folks in an ivory tower somewhere that are kind of pulling all the strings and we just got to deal with it. And I know personally that I'm always looking for groups, businesses, nonprofits, people individually to support that are supporting the kind of things that I appreciate and I want to see do well. And that's a big part of what y'all are doing as well. You know, you can jump on an eBay and list your, list your stuff, no doubt, but that's just not us. You know, that's not our people uh, in a lot of cases. And so I really like to see what y'all are doing and, and the fact that it's really, it's no cost to do it. I mean, you can get on, you can list your things. It's, you know, let's talk about that a little bit. If, if you are buying on the platform, is it costing you anything to, to make a purchase? No. So, well, so uh, indirectly, the answer is no, but there, we have a sales fee that we charge that is removed from the seller's list price. So if they're going to sell you something for a hundred bucks, uh, we're going to take a 5% fee, sales fee, once that transaction completes. Uh, One of the things that we like to promote is that, uh, so as the buyer, you've paid your $100, but as the seller, one of the the nice things is we don't touch that money that's coming to you. It comes straight to you. It doesn't funnel through us. We don't hold it for three days. Um, it's just, it's just sent directly to you. And then the sales fee is also sent directly to us. But overall, one of the things I meant to touch on earlier as well is when we're talking about uh, it's not only free uh, to, to, the, to the buyer and it's free to list, but the main thing is we just wanted it to be easy. We want it to be easy to buy and we want it to be easy to sell. So for the buyer, that means we only allow you to, to check out via PayPal's checkout process, which Almost everybody's going to be familiar with that experience today. So there's some comfort in that. 
Um, you don't have to have a PayPal account to buy. You can check out as a guest. But on the seller side, and so that process is easy and pretty straightforward. On the seller side, we went to great lengths just to make it as easy and as quick as possible to add a listing. And there are certain things that you know buyers will want to know but we've tried to narrow that down to as small of a kind of a data set for you to add, if you will, when you're adding a listing uh, along with some images. So it's as, as, as quick as it can be. And so easy, protected and cheap was were kind of three of the things that we were looking to to pull off when we're talking about just kind of living inside inside the app. Yeah, I think too the thing. Another thing I see is is you you hit on it earlier, but the fact that it's only hunting equipment means that I'm not having to wade through a whole bunch of categories that I don't care about. This is a both a buyer and a seller benefit in my mind is that if you're a seller, you know that everybody that comes to that site is a hunter who's interested in equipment and if you're a buyer, you are going to be able to browse. So a lot of times I don't know I need something until I see it. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I got to <laughs> I got to have the uh the idea sparked in my mind like, you know what? I do need this. And uh it's very important for me. I mean, honey, I've got to put food on the table. These deer are not going to kill themselves. So, <laughs> you know, I got to get out there and but no, I mean, in truth, you know, I mean like being able to just browse through hunting equipment and hunting equipment only is fun. I mean, that's just fun to be able to go and look and see if maybe I can make an upgrade to something that I've already got because there's a great deal out there. And you can't do that with with these marketplaces where there's just tons and tons of stuff you're having to, you can't browse. You got to have filters set up and you got to have notifications set up and you got to get alarms sent anytime something, you know, comes new on the market. I really like the idea and the possibility of just being able to browse through uh, used hunting equipment and and then also put my stuff out there immediately right there as well and with what you're fighting with your little team of boys now and same thing we fight with our kids is you know buy this equipment you buy the clothes you buy the stuff for them and you know by next season they've outgrown it so you're constantly having to churn and burn through stuff just to keep them out there in clothes that they can still fit in and you know this is a great opportunity to to speed that process up make it more efficient save some money and that's more money you can put towards the, the places and things you need to to get those kids outdoors yeah. And being me and mobile driven too. I mean, I'm glad you guys focused in on, on the mobile platform because that's one of the things that we're, we've all got a smartphone now. We're all sitting there and maybe we're even in the hunting stand sometimes going, you know what? Uh, this tree stand's pretty uncomfortable. <laughs> I'd like to get one with a little bit bigger seat. Let's see what's out there. The thought just occurred to me, man, in a lot of ways where we're trying, what we've built here is, is kind of the opposite of hunting a real high traffic WMA. You know, where the person willing to to endure the most suck and walk the furthest through the most crap, you know, has the highest probability of success. Well, you know, with hunting exchange, with platforms like this, obviously the opposite is true. You're trying to make it as easy as possible. And so the thought just occurred to me, but it, it's sort of the antithesis of, of sometimes how we're rewarded as hunters. Yeah, um, no doubt. Uh, I'll take the easy route. I do enough hard stuff in my life. I like things to be easier. No doubt about it. Well, guys, I mean, I think it's awesome what y'all have done. We certainly appreciate y'all being, being sponsors of the podcast. I mean, these kind of shows, not, not just this show, but all the different types of content that we cover aren't possible, uh, without, 
companies like yours, you know, being a part of that and really supporting the outdoors, even if it is being listened to on a smartphone and that kind of thing. And we, we certainly appreciate y'all's involvement. If folks want to go and check out platform, if they want to list some things for sale or maybe see what's out there, how can they find you guys online? How can they find you? I'm assuming you're in every app store, you know, give everybody the rundown of how they can get involved. And also once they start using the platform, I love the fact that y'all are taking feedback. People can actually call Scott, Stuart, Tommy, and get somebody on the phone and say, hey, guys, you know, have you thought about this? Maybe you can make an improvement this way. How do they do that? How do they be a part of this? Sure. So the apps are readily available in the app store on both the, you know, the, the Apple store as well as Google Play. If you just go search for hunting exchange in either one of those, it should pop up for you and you can download it there. Alternatively, you can go to our website, which is hunting-exchange.com, has a dash in the middle. Um, and from there, you obviously could just use the, the website directly, but there are also links to both stores from the homepage on the site itself. So that would be how. And as far as reaching out to us, there's a contact us page in the site where you can just reach out. That'll come to us, and we just, we just answer those uh, as we can. We also reached out to... I think the guy that contacted me initially was via Instagram recently, uh, just via direct message. So you can find us on all the social media channels as well. Again, just searching for our name will pop up on each of those. And yeah, we, we love the feedback. We want this to be, you know, something that guys like us just enjoy. And wherever that leads us, as far as offering this service and what the marketplace should and can become and what people want it to become, that's where we want it to go. We don't know exactly where that's going to be. We just know we want to do it because we like it and we think people seem to like it too. So uh, yeah, reach out to us. Clint, I like to see guys getting together and starting their own thing and, and doing things to serve the, the kind of people that they are. That's, that's one of, that's the cool story about hunting exchange, but you know, on the, on the practical side, it's exciting to me that you've got now a, a marketplace where you can go in and really focus on a set of categories and not have to spend a whole bunch of time filtering out things, trying to figure out, you know, I mean, I always use, like you think about in Alabama, we say tree climber In other parts of the world, they say climbing tree stand. So you, you go on eBay and you, you search these things and you may not find exactly what you're looking for, even though it's listed for sale, being able to go in and browse is going to save a lot of daggum time. If you're trying to find something used. Yeah, and on top of that, whenever I've bought stands and things like that coming behind guys that have already used them, it's really saved a lot of time in assembling everything, uh, saved money off the retail, and just really got them into into use that much faster. But man, I can't tell you how many times that I've been, I'd have been happy to pay somebody not to have to sit there and, and turn nuts and screws and all that stuff trying to get these things out of the box and rolling because you you spend a day day and a half on that easy if you're trying to get a lot of stands out on new tracks. Yeah. And uh, you know, the other thing about saving time too, is like, golly, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to buy a new piece of equipment and you, how much time do you spend a lot of times just reading reviews, trying to see what somebody like, if people like it. And then in reading those reviews, it's like, well, this guy likes it, but he's not doing the same thing I'm doing. And this guy doesn't like it, but he doesn't like it for things that I don't care about. And it's, Really, so much of it is just your own personal feelings about a product. So you got to use it to be able to determine if it's something that you're going to like. And 
for me, that results in every year. I'm kind of like, all right, I didn't really care for that product. But it still has value. Somebody else obviously would want it. So I can now sell that and keep going and not spend all that time having to just research and worry if I'm wasting money and, you know, cause I'm getting a good price. It's, it's already slightly used and I can just try something, you know, and maybe even get a couple of things and try and see which one I like best. And then, and then just sell, sell the rest, you know, I do that a lot and it, it really cuts down on the amount of time I'm spending looking for stuff. And then it cuts down on the amount of money I'm spending buying used. I mean, we all know that take the retail sticker off your, uh, you're saving a good bit of money. So we definitely appreciate the guys over at hunting exchange, um, for making this possible. Y'all go check that website out, man. It's really cool the way they've done it. And uh, I think you're going to find some value for it this fall, uh, with your hunting gear and moving forward. All right, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. Photonist Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. Check them out. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by First South Farm Credit. First South Farm Credit, can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. To find out how First South can help you, visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. Clint, man, when you start planting your own food plots, there's a lot of questions that it raises. Um, how to do it. You know, I mean, we talked a couple of weeks ago with Grant Woods about no-till food plots and that's one aspect, the equipment, the method, the science behind how you actually plant. But then it comes down to what am I actually going to plant? And there's so many different things on the market nowadays. It seemed like when we were kids, you know, it was like we planted oats and maybe a little clover thrown in. And now there's just so many different options out there. There's some really cool varieties out there that produce tons of forage, they, lots of different uses. And we're going to really get into creating the best food plot mix based on your goals today. To do that, we've got Caleb Weaver. Caleb is the head of research and development for Southern Seed and Feed based out of Macon, Mississippi. Caleb, talking to Clint, it's a lot to this blending of seeds. Tell me a little bit how you got into doing this uh, with Southern Seed and Feed. Uh, hey guys, well, I really appreciate y'all having me on today to talk about uh, how we can put hunters in the best position possible to kill that big deer this year. I was really fortunate to meet the Southern Seed and Feed family years ago at the Buckmaster Show. They have just turned into a wonderful family that I've been able to work with and work for to develop their product to put, like I said, you, you the customer, in the best position to be able to feed your deer, sustain a good herd, and then ultimately, like we all want, to fill that wall space. Man, you know, I saw a, uh, some interesting research coming out of Mississippi State this week, actually, and they had done some radio collar monitoring of different bucks. And one of the things they were watching was how these bucks relate to feeding sites, just supplemental feeding, and, and then food plots. And it was pretty eye-opening to see that food plots were like four to one. They spent four times as much time in food plots as they did around feeding sites. And it was the same whether you looked at it in the in the summertime for supplemental summer plots or wintertime, you know, fall and winter 
plots. And with baiting becoming legal in most states now, I think a lot of folks have gotten into the mindset of, hey, I'm just I'm just going to put some feeders out there and I'm not even going to plant food plots. Man, I haven't come from a state where growing up in Alabama where, where feeding wasn't legal and then being able to do a little bit of hunting in Florida and see how feeding has worked there. I, anecdotally, I can tell you, well, I've had much more success around food plots than I ever have around any kind of supplemental feeding the deer get wise to that really quickly, in my opinion. So having a food plot out there, number one, you know, it, it produces pre-season, it produces during the season, and it produces after the season. And that's what we want to do. We want to keep wildlife thriving on our properties. We want them to be there, not just when we're, when we're there to hunt them, but when we aren't. That is kind of my first question when it comes to picking out what kind of species you want in your blend is that palatability throughout the season. So when you guys are are looking at what you put into different blends, is that something that you're taking into account? It's like, hey, you know, early on a deer is going to like this versus maybe late season, they're going to want something else? No, 100%. Yes, sir. Um, These blends are actually, there's a lot of time that goes into what these blends are and how long they will sustain forage for your deer for and for turkeys too that want to come through. But you can expect nine to 10 months worth of grazing on some of these plots and these mixes. They do, they do really well all the way through into June. Um, and that's what you want to see. You want to see your deer being able to feed off that uh, early season. They're dropping fawns in Alabama right now. You want to have those deer to be able to jump in there, jump on some nutrients here in the next week or so, whenever you plant to be able to, uh, and you want those plots to sustain that early grazing as well. But what we want to see is what works well all through the whole year. There's no point in planting a food plot to have it grazed out or to just kind of fizzle out. And, and where we are in January, come, the rut comes around. And I mean, you got to, you, what's the point in planting anything if you don't have a thick, full food plot to keep those deer in it, to keep that attractant there, to keep that nutrients? There's no point, I guess, planting anything if you, if you uh, want it to fizzle out. Yeah. And if you've got to come back and, and touch it again, you know, I mean, that's, that's my experience with having to do any kind of supplemental feeding or baiting is just a pain in the butt, man. Having to go out there and constantly fill feeders sure and is. do all those things. And sure. Yeah. A deer can't live off corn. A deer has got to have that grass. They've got to have the brassicas. They've got to have the rest of it. And that's what's so neat about what's chosen to go in these mixes is for the sustainability to be grazed on to, and it's not just a, a wheat oats rye, just a generic, the, the research that's gone into each individual type of seed is not just something that was thrown together one day. For instance, um, you have your Balanza clover. You mentioned Mississippi State a few minutes ago. Balanza clover, such a high protein mix, provides, it's, it was designed to produce a lot more. And that's, you know, that's more than just your standard clover that would be in a, your standard three or four or five way. The stuff here that's, that we've done at Southern Seed and Feed is to be able to, like I said, hold your herd, sustain your herd, and to be able to hunt over it all year long, of course. Yeah, absolutely, man. So let's, let's talk about the early season because as a bow hunter, that's what gets me excited. You get Definitely. seasons opening up in the south a lot of times, mid-October, month of October, early November, deer are still on that bedding to feeding pattern they're using food plots during the daylight hours they're fairly easy to pattern i want to have something mm-hmm. that is going to be highly attractive that's because i know i'm also competing with white oak acorns and the woods which are still full of uh, of native brows and so i've got to have something right. that is new is fresh and it's going to cause that deer to be 
attracted to that spot prefer that spot right so what what in a mix does somebody need to look for for that early season hunting well first thing i would recommend and uh, we offer a, a full line of of product here that is mixed with delta ag are you guys familiar with delta ag i'm sure you are yeah, well, t- take everybody through what it really does. A lot of folks are not, and uh, I would recommend anything you buy, coat it with Delta Ag. Doesn't matter if you're planting corn, whatever you plant, coat it with Delta Ag. Some uh, some feed stores sell it as a little packet, but Southern Seed they go ahead and mix that stuff in for you. And what Delta Ag does, it's a protective coating that coats that seed from weather, coats it from no rain, coats it, and it protects it to provide a little bit of a nutrient burst right there in the beginning. But the biggest thing is it provides 60% more viable plants after first emergence and gives them that giant boost right there in the beginning. It's unreal. If you've never planted before, try it. If you have, you already know. But you can plant one side by side, Delta Ag, no Delta Ag, and watch how thick that plot is in that first that week, week and a half, the one that's been coated. It's unreal. But that's my first recommendation because as a boat hunter myself, I want to see my plots being fed on and ready to go and the deer using them within two weeks to me planting that field not only that i think you've got that initial browse pressure when they're when they're first coming out of the ground you know there's just not a whole lot there and in an area where you got a high deer density they can hit them pretty hard right out of the gate to the ground and that's yeah. what's such a great thing about that coating is it enables that plant to sustain that early grazing like that and come right on back and continue to produce so Caleb, you know, like when thinking about planting blends and, and planting different varieties so that they can work together to decrease that browsing pressure or, and have that palatability throughout the season, what's your go-to different varieties? If somebody's looking to create their own blend or, and you thinking about the things that you put in your blends, what do you really want to have in that plot in the early season? Well, you definitely want to see oats. You definitely want to see some ryegrass. That's going to give you that early jump going to give you that early graze and as you move into cooler temperatures cooler uh later in the season mid-season uh you'll have your peas coming up pretty heavily you'll have your uh, your rape you'll have your turnips but early on you really want those oats you really need some of that rye grass and you want to see a higher blend you want you want to see a blend uh, pretty well balanced all the way around the board you don't want a, a lot of rye grass in there in the beginning because it's going to start choking everything out later on. Uh, deer don't prefer that, in my opinion, later on in the season. What they're looking for is uh, these the brassicas. Um, later on in the season, the brassicas develop a little bit of a higher sugar content. The deer love them. For me, it's around mid to late December. They go through there and wipe them out. I mean, it's unreal. And we're talking some of these leaves would be 8, 9, 10, 12 inches long, 4 inches wide. But what I love about our products here and what we've designed is that they come back. They do a really good job of growing back. But early in the season, yeah, you definitely need your oats. You definitely need some ryegrass. You want your clover to begin to establish and not be nipped to the ground immediately. However, they do a great job of growing right back. So I know, you know, I'm thinking about most people are planting maybe six to eight weeks in front of that first frost, maybe even later in some some situations, depending or earlier, just kind of really depends on moisture and whatnot. But you're thinking, hey, you know, we're going to have that that first frost sometime in in November, uh, most likely for a lot for a lot of the South. And when that happens, what then starts to come on? Because I've always heard, and maybe this is right or wrong, but I've always heard, you know, after that first frost, your oats are going to kind of die back some. And you mentioned like those brassicas having a higher sugar content. I've heard that 
after a hard freeze is when they really start to come on. What else in, in the mix is there to be palatable for, say, you know, rifle season, as most rifle seasons in the sense, say, in November? What else is in the mix there for them? Well, I'm just going to quote you uh, what's in our Superbuck product here. That's a seven-way blend. So come rifle season, you're going to see your winter piece standing up nice and tall. You're going to see your radishes with nice long leaves, six, eight inches long. You're going to see your turnips. You're going to see your clover coming up nice and thick. Uh, yeah, the, the Pembroke wheat is what's used in that, and that's designed specifically for more forage. And all of the products here were designed to be used in the South. So I'm sure your listeners are all over, but this stuff is mainly for the South, and they're, they're good at growing down here. What, uh, what I mean by that is, you know, our temperatures can fluctuate at any given time. So as you do get a good frost, it will start to hurt, you know, cut back on some of that wheat. But this stuff was designed to hang in there, sustain, sustain different weather uh, conditions. But once again, this the Superbuck product, you'll see your rape, you'll see your Balanza clover, the forage oats still going to be there. You're going to see your crimson clover. You're going to see your radishes really coming up really well. You're going to see your your turnips coming up really well, winter peas standing up and producing. So that's the type of stuff you're really looking for. That's where so much research has gone into the design of these mixes to make sure that you have a plot all the way through the season. And like we talked about earlier, deep, deep into postseason to make sure that they're still providing tonnage, providing some nutrition to your to your herd all the way through. You know, we hear a lot about the how to do this, how to apply it, you know, what equipment to use. You know, when it comes to blending, I mean, my concern is always that, you know, what's the best way to do it without overdoing it or underdoing it? Because I, I feel like I've done both. How do you find that perfect mix without putting so much out that you're just throwing money on the ground or risking just leaving bare dirt and not getting the results you want? Uh, well, Clint, that's that's part of what's gone into such a long time of um, research from Mr. Roger uh, starting the business in 1983 and working all the way up here. This is hours and hours of seeing these different types of seeds, specifically how it grows, how big it gets, what type of tonnage is it going to put out individually, and then breaking that down so that your plot is not choked out per acre as you plant it. I guess one of the biggest things to say on that is it's, it's always, I guess, cheaper in some ways to go with somebody that's already designed this, that's gone through the hard times to figure out what works, what doesn't. Back to our point earlier, there's no point in planting this food plot if it's not going to work well for you. So the time in the has already been spent to say, why should we have 15% forage oats? Why should we have 1% balanza clover? And what I, when I say 1% of balanza clover, that's not a small amount of clover. You know, a clover seed is, <laughs> is tiny compared to a wheat seed. So you're getting a lot of clover in a lot of these mixes, but that's, that's been the research that's gone into what we do with why do we use, for instance, the, the daikon radish or the forage oats or the pembroke wheat or the balanza clover, individual types that have been specifically designed to put out to, for more production, to put out a lot more tonnage over the years. And, uh, like I said, it's the 30 to 50 pounds per half acre on the Superbuck. You can stretch that if you like. If you've got a lot of grazing pressure, we recommend staying in that. But calling around, Southern Seed and Feed does a really good job of not undercutting their dealers and letting their dealers set the price. And I think, like I said, back to with the cost of this, the, the biggest question I get every day is how much does this product cost? And it's really a, an eye-opening uh, answer that this Superbuck that's a seven-way coated with Delta Ag is around $24 a bag. And 
for all the time and work that's gone into figuring out how to put you in the, the best position to keep a thick, full food plot up to nine to 10 months of the year for $24 a bag is almost a no-brainer. You know, Caleb, you're talking about and further to what Clint was saying about, I want to put out enough. I don't want to put out too much. I don't want to put out too little. And I think, you know, based on the type of the, the method that you're planning, that number can change. If you're drilling versus broadcasting, if you're tilling versus no-till, I mean, there's a lot of different things that go into that. How do you feel about layering your planting? So for example, I've had it happen where, hey, we got to plant this weekend. It's just it's the only chance we're going to have to plant. We don't see any rain coming, but we're going to put it in the ground anyway. And we do, and the rain doesn't come. And we lose a lot more seed than what you normally would to save turkeys and birds and mice. You know, So you don't get the, the germination and the production that you want. Can you come back? two, three, four weeks later and, and just layer back into that? Definitely. Definitely. Top sew it right back on. Yeah, definitely. Um, if you're not seeing what you want to right in the beginning, because like you said, for instance, two years ago, I planted all my fields and that was our, a huge drought in our area. And we didn't get rain for about 16 days. However, the plot still came up, looked great. A lot of that is the is the Delta Ag, in my opinion. But yeah, definitely. If you need to come back and top sew and go right back over and spread throughout, you're going to see a big jump, a big help. And uh, there's nothing wrong with that at all. If you're doing that, you know, like you say that 30 to 50 pounds per half acre, I mean, we can spread that out as many acres as you want, but you know, if you, if you've got that situation, would it make sense to, you know, to maybe hold back, uh, like buy that 50 pounds per acre, go ahead and put 30 in that first planting and then maybe come back a little while later and top. sow the remaining, or how do you, if you're doing that and you end up top sowing additional seed, do you change the amount of seed you apply is what I'm trying to ask. I would and, and have before. I would go with, if I'm going back to top sow, I would do half the amount that I originally did. Like like we talked about here a little bit ago, if you're a week or two in, you may not have seen those turnips coming all the way out yet. You may not have seen some of those clovers popping all the way up yet. And some people just kind of get scared and go, oh my gosh, I haven't, my, my plot's not doing anything. But yeah, I would go back with, with half of the, uh, the original amount that you put on top sew that back in try to schedule that right with some rain coming in not too crazy but just get you some a nice little soft rain and watch it grow yeah well you know looking at y'all have got a ton of different types of blends out there and i you know i've chosen a few blends for my fall food plots based on the different types of forage i want to come up i want to have as much variety as i can out there and so what i'm actually doing is mixing multiple blends that you have you have a blend out there called ideal plus that's a mixture of wheat three different kinds of clover and oats and then you have another blend called salad bar which is all your brassicas the turnips the rape the radish uh the the kales and things of that nature so if i'm going to go in and let's say i've got a uh you know a recommended broadcast rate of 50 pounds per acre for one of your blends, but I wanted to bring another blend into that. Like the example I just gave, I want to mix some, some brassicas into that, which is maybe that planted by itself has its own broadcast rate. How can I get the answer to what I need to pull back on one blend and what I need to add on the other? Yeah. If you're planting ideal plus, for instance, here, if you want our salad bar, which has got Winford brassicas, trophy rate, daikon radishes, and hunter brassicas, to go back in with your ideal plus, like you said, you've got clover, three different types of clover, wheat and forage oats, 
I would recommend about 10 pounds off of that bag of Ideal Plus per one pound of your salad bar. Yeah, that gets back to what you're saying about those those seeds being just extremely small. I mean, in a in one pound of brassicas or one pound of of clover, you've got you know so many more actual seeds. Right. Yeah. Taking off that many. That's that's impressive. And I mean, I guess that would be a thing too for somebody to they can talk to their their local dealer or even call the folks at Southern Seed Feed if they've got a specific thing that they want to do. Those are questions that they're going to be able to answer. And that is, that is something that we will do. If somebody does want a custom seed blend, we will be willing to work with that. Uh, just go through your local dealer and ask them and it's a six ton minimum, but we always want to hear what works. So if you guys, anybody mixes their own stuff, no matter what it is, and you've got deer that are really liking it, you, you're seeing different numbers throughout the year of what the plot's doing, uh, shoot us an email. Say, hey, this worked really well. We'll throw it into the R&D and, and we'll see what we can get put out for the next year. Yeah. Well, you know, my particular goals are that I'm trying I'm, this year, I'm trying to not to till my food plots. I'm trying to do no till. And so that's why I've chosen some of the, the different brassicas like, like radish, you know, it's got some, mm-hmm. uh, some tilling qualities in itself. Sure. Yeah. I used to call it tillage radish. <laughs> that's right. You know, so I'm, I'm choosing yeah. some of these things based on my goals, but you know, with y'all having so many different blends, so many different varieties out there, why would somebody choose one blend over the other? I mean, you, you just mentioned that a lot of R&D goes into this and with these different blends out there, are they there to meet a certain price point or are there certain areas where certain blends work better? Why so many different options? Well, definitely, definitely the areas. Um, what, we, what we like to see here, for instance, Rag Zone's a new product this year. It's kind of a, a beefier a buck magnet that we offered last year. That's designed specifically to grow in wet areas. Wet, uh, a lot of folks have problems with flooding. A lot of folks have problems with too much rain, especially down south. Um, that was designed to grow in really, really wet areas for, or super buck. That was, that's kind of the all around, it doesn't get any better product. Or if you, like you're doing, you're playing the ideal plus and you're going back in with your, uh, with your salad bar to give it an extra kick from a few different other things that aren't offered in that ideal plus to give you a heavy clover mix. Really they're designed for not every plot on your whole on your place is going to be the same uh, you may have a hole down in the swamp everybody's got one that they love that's where you want to go in with this rack zone that's a 10 way and that, that that plants 30 to 50 pounds per acre but they're really designed more for different soil types as far as wet uh, sandy they, they really all grow really well the biggest thing i'll say on anything you plant is make sure you fertilize it and that's an area that often gets undercut just because of the price of fertilizer but you can plant this stuff and fertilize it and it's going to grow really well. However, some of this is designed to grow in different areas. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. You bring that up because you think about on a given property, I mean, Clint, y'all have got all different kinds of food plots that you're planting really sandy soils to bottomland soils. And I would imagine that certain blends are going to work better in certain areas. Have you experienced that on, on your property where, hey, you know, this particular blend comes up really good in this spot and, and not so good in other places? Yeah, especially when you get involved in the, you know, the heavy brassica turnip rate mixes, you know, notice the real big difference on those in the sandy versus the heavier areas. So I'd imagine, Caleb, like a lot of our folks are wanting to plant what we call little hidey hole food plots or small little, just a little kill plot that's out of the way, hidden, 
you know, their little honey hole out of your different seeds that you have available. What would you recommend for somebody that's looking for that? No-till is not even the right way to put it. They're having to work that ground with hand tools. You know, they're backpacking this and they're maybe creating a quarter acre plot or something like that. Right. Um, Do you have any blends that, that work well for that? that end result in mind uh that i would just have to recommend that super buck once again um we've all been there we've all like you said hiked in with a hard tooth rake and found a couple spots with some white oaks in an area that'll grow with some sunshine and and got in there and put on our two or three hours worth of sweat blood and tears <laughs> but yeah. that's where i would definitely go back with this super buck and it's got such a wide variety to help you pull those deer to that spot all year long once again still coated with delta ag but yeah, definitely been there. And I've, I've planted pretty much everything that we have in every way I can get it to not grow. <laughs> yeah. And I've had a problem with it, with it all growing. So that would be my go-to on any type of no-till like that, because it gives you such a wide variety and, and helps you all season long to know that you can still slip in there in that hole in that spot where there hasn't been any pressure. And those deer have been in there, been able to feed the entire season until you can get in there on that right wind. Caleb, I think I could tell you guys have put a lot of thought into the different varieties of seed you're putting in your blends, but also how you're actually blending the ratios you're using so that you can be sure that you're not overdoing it, underdoing it. You're, you're really just getting it just right. And it's not just something that you started doing this year. I mean, this is something that there's been season after season after season of, of research and, and also I'm sure failures along the way, you know, that was too much. It was too little. One of the biggest things we talked about it earlier in terms of failures is really related to when you plant and how much moisture is on the horizon. So like, I know Definitely. for me this fall, what I'm looking at is I'm looking at about a three week window that I want to put seed in the ground. You know, I don't live close to my property, so I'm kind of looking at, Hey, I've, I've got these three weekends set aside that I'm going to be able to go up and do it, but I'm waiting to see what the moisture is going to be to actually say, all right, this is the weekend. So that being said, what's your rule of thumb? If you're, if you're thinking about when you're actually going to put your seed in the ground to get that best fall food plot, what are you looking for in the coming days in terms of moisture to say, all right, it's go time? Well, you're exactly right. To waiting on rain is, is always ideal. You've got to, obviously, you've got to have that rain coming down. You've got to have moisture in the soil. And I know a lot of guys, they have a date scheduled. A lot of hunting clubs, they have their work days, and that's when the seed goes in. And that's fine, but you, you risk a lot more of your seed being consumed. I think we talked about earlier with turkeys mice uh just songbirds stuff like that but were it me if i had you know i'm going to plant probably next weekend it looks like we got decent amount of rain coming in however if it were to dry up on me the forecast i want to see about an eight to a quarter inch of rain coming in and i want to see that as soon as i can get that seed and fertilizer in the ground a lot of it kind of depends on how much rain you get with where you're planting your plots if you if you're planting a hillside then you don't want it half inch to three quarters of an inch of rain coming in and just washing everything out that you've just done. So a lot of it's a little bit of common sense. You need that rain, but how much rain, when, when's it going to happen again? If you know, if you got a 30% chance today, but then it's going to be 96, 97 degrees for the next 10 day forecast, you're going to get a little bit of a jump, but you don't want your, your new growth to sit there and starve. You know, and you mentioned too, always recommending some fertilizer, of Definitely. course, you want to get a soil test and, and be applying things based on a soil test. But undoubtedly, somebody listening right now is going, I ain't got time for that this year. So what is... Oh, um, I understand. <laughs> what, it's happened to all of us. What's your rule of thumb for, for fertilizer? Oh, yeah. 
going in with your seed? Uh, soil tests, a lot of people don't realize they are as easy to get as they are. Most of your local feed stores that do a, uh, do a soil test or send it off for you, and usually the turnaround on that is less than a week. If you can't get a soil test or you don't have time, like I said, we've all been there, uh, usually 250 pounds per acre, and I recommend triple 13. Something I've seen, the triple 13 extended release, it's about a dollar fifty extra a bag, depending on where you get it. But that is an excellent product as well to help uh, give you an extra boost later in the season in the event that you need it. Well, Caleb, I think we've hit it all, man, with regards to what we're blending up this fall, why we're blending it that way, and how to get it in the ground. But undoubtedly, we've raised some questions with people that they've they're saying, "Well, what about me? What about my specific situation?" So, if somebody's got questions about using your blends seeding rates, where they can pick up these different blends and, you know, all those different dealers that are out there. How and where can they go to find out more information uh, that's specific to them? Find somebody close to them that can answer their questions. Uh, Great question. And that's really, really easy, actually. If you go to southernseedfeed.com, you're going to see where to buy and browse products. If you click that where to buy, most folks, your phone's going to prompt you to allow you to tell them your location if not plug in your zip code there and they've got dealers over 150 dealers throughout alabama and mississippi Um, if you're looking for other products you can go to the the browse products page Um, they have a huge line of feeds Um, we do cows chickens deer goats pigs you you name it dogs cats anything you need Uh, there's a lot of time that's gone into that a lot of supplemental feeding different types of nutrition for your livestock. And um, there's a lot more to offer than just food plot seed. Well, Caleb, thanks again for joining us, man. Ask, answering some of our questions, giving us some, some guidance for this fall. And uh, we're going to look forward to talking to you again. Before you know it, yes, bringing summer food plots will be here uh, right around the corner. <laughs> That's right. Oh, the work never ends for what we love to do. Yeah, man. We'll stay safe out there on the tractor this fall. We'll, we'll talk to you again soon. No problem, guys. Y'all have a great season. Clint, I love talking about food plots, man. That's one of my favorite things to do is just play around, figuring out a different way to kill a deer. <laughs> I figure yep. out a new way to do it every year, but I, I love it, man. It's fun to see all that sweat and all that effort. And and then you go back out there and open into the season and you, you've got something to look at and know that you, you made it happen. You know, it just feels good. Yeah. I've seen some pictures of you stuck in the mud in the tractor that you made happen too. <laughs> hey, it's so, all part of it. What did you learn today? Yeah. I mean, what, what'd you take away from what Caleb was talking about? I mean, really, it's just a, it's a time value for me. You I mean, guys like this do all this research and save me all the trouble of having to sit there and spend nights laying awake, trying to figure out what the perfect blend is, which do I need, which is going to do good on my place and what's going to be the best for my wildlife. So, you know, when I can just walk in there and trust these guys to, to just show me what I need. It just speeds things up, gets better results. And I just feel happier getting on out in the woods. Yeah. They've built a whole business around, around that value. And then, you know, being able to back it up, have that consistency of, of knowing that, Hey, this is years and years of development that's gone into these things. And, uh, you know, it's just time you don't have to spend thinking about it. It's, and, and the other thing is, man, I was pretty surprised to hear him say they got a, a blend at 24 bucks a bag. That's, that's, there's something, it sounds like there's something out there for really any budget. It's not like these are designer seed blends or something like that. So that's right. Yeah. A lot of cool stuff coming up. It's favorite, favorite time of year for me. And, uh, you know, one of the things I noticed in the real estate world this week is there, you're starting to see 
the housing in the residential, uh, a lot more inventory on the market in other areas of the country, not necessarily the Southeast. Southeast is still trending downwards, but normally this time of year, the trend is that you're going to start to see much less inventory as we move into the end of the year and then things start climbing back up, you know, as we go into the start of the year, people start putting their properties on the market. And so things are starting to buck that trend in the residential market. In 2008, when we had the housing bubble burst, what did you see the land market do? Uh, do you do you think that we're going to start to see more inventory uh, in land as we move into 2022? What, how do, what's your crystal ball telling you? I think as long as the cost of money stays down, that things will stay good. Uh, as far as what happened then, it was really, you know, people's mindset changed toward land about being a safe haven as opposed to a, you know, recreational investment. And it could be both. It is both. But people were focused more on that and protecting their assets through the land investment side of it more than they were looking at a place to go hunt a deer. You know, the fact that it was a safe haven that they could go hunt a deer on was just a nice dividend. Yeah, I've started to already see that in my market. So I'm getting a lot of calls from people. They're making cash offers on land and it's just, I mean, they're just point blank telling me, Hey, I'm just looking for a way to hold my savings. This is money I've got saved up. I want to put it into land. I feel like that's more stable than the stock market. I feel like it's better than cash. I want to hold on to this and, and, you know, probably one day I'm just going to pass it down to my children. But this for me is just a safe haven with all the volatility that is really people are thinking, you know, and potentially is going to be out there in residential markets and stock markets. And just a lot of, uh, a lot of unrest seems like out there, a lot of questions for what, what things are going to do in terms of taxes. A lot of questions and what things are going to do in market. I mean, I'm praying it just keeps going up and up and up, but inevitably it's going to come down at some point. So definitely good to hear that land is not going to, be affected in the same way. It still looks like bright times ahead for the land market. Have you started to see that same thought process start to change in, in the people that you're selling land to? Are you seeing a lot more buyers that are thinking about safe havens as, instead of recreational desires? It just depends. I mean, you've got, um, it depends on where the money's coming from, if it's coming out of a 1031 exchange or, or borrowed money. But, you know, even if it's a, a mortgage track, it, today's rates, a uh, well-stocked piece of land is outgrowing those rates many times. So it, it's just kind of a no-brainer. It's free money out there and they can, they've got more buying power because of these low rates. And, you know, that's allowing people to spend more on land or buy more land than they would have traditionally. So it's good for, for sellers and buyers. It's not a, a seller's market, but, you know, we really do need more inventory right now. That's probably the biggest thing we're facing. It's just not, not having much of it out there. And what, what's there that's priced well is moving pretty good. In the residential markets, I think a lot of people are faced with, they're looking at how much their their house has gone up in value and they're saying, well, that's great. But if I sell right now, I've got to have another house. So that just means I'm going to be buying in this market as well. Is that what's on the mind of the landowners that you're talking to? I mean, are they kind of like, well, what would I do with the money if I sold? Or what's holding them back, do you think, from from putting their property on the market? Uh, that's part of it. You know, if there's somebody that, that would want to go back into something by an exchange. They'd want to make sure that they've got some idea of a path. You know, there are some alternative vehicles out there that'll help with 1031s if you don't have a, a piece of timberland out there that we can get into. But, but you know, that's one concern. Uh, one reason people are selling now versus waiting is because they're concerned what the 
tax law changes are going to be after the first of the year um, and, and hopefully not be retroactive that could affect capital gains rates. So they're going ahead and liquidating now because of that. And it just also happens to be in a great market too. So they're winning twice, you know, as long as the crazy politicians behave. We don't have any mad legislation that comes back and kicks us in the teeth for this year. Yeah, I've heard I've heard the same thing as well. You know, I mean, it seems like everybody's got a little bit different motive. Some sometimes it's a motive not to do anything, and sometimes it's a motive to do something. But it does remain that we do need some more inventory out there, and it it is a great time to capitalize on any gains you've had in your in your property. And you know, food plots are, believe it or not, it's just another way uh, that you can improve the value of the property. You know. You've talked a lot on here, Clint, about how much value a bulldozer can create on your property. If somebody's got timberland or or just raw land, when you go in and you're marketing property for sale, you're valuing that property, how does a food plot really affect that value when you when it hits the market? It has, I mean, it depends on the size. It's kind of like roads and everything else. You want a nice amount of them, but not so much that they become a maintenance issue. Or they're so big that they're expensive, so expensive to plant that they're counterproductive, or so big that they're hard to shoot across for a normal person. You know, so um, I think a few acres or less uh, in, in our area, you know, different parts of the country that changes, but you know, they have tremendous value and they're typically are going to give you a return of three to four times what you've cost to build them. And, you know, people want them. They, that, that's more of a, a turnkey thing that people really like to see, even though they're not hard to build. Most people just don't want to fool with it. And then, but if you are a fixer upper and you're looking for an opportunity to create equity on your property, then buying tracks that don't have roads and food plots and, and you know, getting a good operator in there and, and putting that stuff in there is a, is a very quick and easy way to make a profit with land. Seems like every time we talk about one aspect of land ownership, I think about another aspect, you know, getting a good bulldozer operator. I think we got a show coming up on that and what to look for and what to stay away from. <laughs> I know yep. you've got some stories of uh, some things you don't want to do when it comes to having a bulldozer get to work, but we'll save that for another show, man. It's always good talking to you and folks, we appreciate you joining us today. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list and wherever you are listening to podcasts, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you got a show topic, that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. This week's Hunt Land podcast has been brought to you by Bucks Island Marine. They have new pontoon boats, bass boats, bow riders, and aluminum boats for sale. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Bucks. You can visit them at 4500 Highway 77 in Southside, Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. And also brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes, 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also, Sun South. From outdoor equipment, parts, service, accessories, Sun South has you covered. Own the best for less. Visit Sun South or sunsouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. Sun South, for those that do. 
and also brought to you by Brush Clearing Services. Check out their full line of property and land services at brushclearingservices.com or call them at 706-718-1690. And also First South Farm Credit. First South Farm Credit can help you finance or refinance that perfect piece of land. Find out how First South can help you. Visit their website at firstsouthland.com or call them at 800-955-1722. They are an equal housing lender. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Cooperative has been serving gardeners, farmers, and everyone in between for 85 years. Visit www.alafarm.com for more information and to find a co-op near you. And also, Southern Seed and Feed, do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. 